Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. We are here um, today with Red Akins. What's up? I've known you for a long time. When I was a song plugger back in the 90s, I used to pitch to you as an artist. You did. That's correct. And um, I think I got one cut on there, a Marv Green song or that something. That is right. Yeah. Man, that was... I moved to town at the beginning of... End of 92. And so I, was, I probably met you at least by 94 because my first album came out in 95. Well, back then, you it was you were you were the young guy. Oh, yeah. In, in like a man's world of, yes. of artists, you know. Boy, I'm t- I came in at a time that was... Uh, it was it was a great time because country music was was really killing it, you know. But it was also a hard time because the people that were killing it were giants. Yeah, I mean it was Garth, Alan Jackson, Travis Tritt, Clint Black, George Strait. I mean the biggest of the big that we still love today. The you know the, the our, our icons were the people that I was you know trying to make music you know with at the same time so it was a fun but also terrifying time to make music now how many number ones did you have as an artist i had three yeah because i remember it was that second record you know the first um, record had that ain't my truck yeah and then it had a ballad called she said yes was the last single and then the first single off the next album was called don't get me started yeah and all three of i had three three in a row right there that were that was uh you know that were rocking pretty good but that ain't my truck is still a standard that ain't my truck is still yes i get a um um when I get my quarterly check from BMI, <laughs> uh, for those of y'all who don't know, that that's a company that, that that's how songwriters get paid. They track all the radio plays and TV plays. Um, now, when I get my my statement every quarter, that ain't my truck is listed as a standard because it has. I think the 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 rule is is it has to had to have been played like almost two million times, and it has to still get played like thirty to fifty thousand times a quarter. So it's almost twenty. What is that? It came out in ninety. Yeah, twenty three years later, um, it's still that song. Dust on the bottle. Um, there's a few songs that should have been a cowboy. Uh, there's a few songs that it fits in that category yeah. of of it's still almost new. I hear it pro- at least once a week. But now a lot of people don't know you are the father of Thomas Red. Yes, you know that's and, my uh, new name. That's <laughs> artist formerly known as Red Akins. <laughs> Uh, just Thomas Rhett's daddy. That's that's how you, that's how uh, the, when the light, when, especially when you see a young teenage girl or something. So I'm like, you know who that is? That's Red Akins. You know, and they have a blank stare on their face. Then they go, "That's Thomas Rhett's daddy." <laughs> and buddy, I'm I'm the most popular guy in the room after after that. But were you his age when all this was happening? No, I moved to town when I was 22 or three. Okay, and Thomas Rhett. Uh, he he got his first record deal when he was nineteen to twenty. Okay, so uh, I was a couple. I was a few years older than Thomas Rhett at the time, but you know, Thomas Rhett had the uh, he had the a lifetime of education on the road because he. I've got so many videos and and pictures of Thomas Rhett with me on stage. Um, on the on a tour bus, there's pictures that that fans send me now, online of Thomas Rhett when he's seven years old signing autographs after a gig that I played, and they still have those pictures. That has to be pretty cool, That's you great. know, to go. God, I was looking through my old attic and found these pictures, and there's this kid, you know, and it's Thomas Rhett signing signing his name after one of your shows. So he's always been 
in the spotlight even though he didn't know it well dude when i was uh, where me and you kind of have a, a an interesting kind of crossing is when i was a kid my dad was a 50s artist right and i used to ride around in his motorhome with him when i was six mm-hmm. seven eight years old so every time i hear you talk about thomas i'm like going god man well that reminds me so much of me and my exactly. dad because i would go see him in the summers because they were divorced my mom and dad mm-hmm. and and i would sleep on the dashboard of his winnebago <laughs> back then you had to wear car seats and um you know so i would just lay on the dashboard and he'd tell me stories driving yeah so that had to have been amazing now fast forward a few years um um he came to town he started writing but um you wrote with him his first single is that correct? Not uh, the no. first single. His first number one. Yes, first which, number one. Which, by the way, you produced. Yes, yes. It yeah, goes it like was this. called. It was called. Uh, it, it goes like this. Yeah. Like and so he had he had had two singles out that went to like fifteen to thirteen, which was great, you know, uh, for especially for a new artist. Um, but you know, Scott Borchetta, the head of the label and the A and R staff, were um, like, well, we really need one. Like we're happy with everything that's going on, but we, we need a smash, smash, yeah. smash. And so me and Ben Hayslip and Jimmy Robbins wrote this song one day, and me and Thomas Rhett were at dinner a couple of nights later, and I, and I said, dude, check out this song. I wasn't trying to pitch him the song. I just always like to play him new songs that I've written. You know, what do you think about this? Who do you think could cut that? And I played it for him at dinner, and he listened to the verse and the chorus and was like, Dad, I got to have it. I got to yeah. have that. And then, of course, you produced it. But I remember all that. He sent me a comp tape of 20 songs. And said, "Man, pick four. What four? What oh, yeah, four right. would you yeah. cut?" So that was when one you of say the, he, you're talking about Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, I, and that was one of the four that I loved. Yeah, man. exactly. Well, that song, man. When you, if you go see him in concert, I mean, that came out in 2013. Yeah. So it's five years old, and obviously he's had a lot of success since then. But when that song comes on, when you hear that guitar lick, down, down, yeah. down, it's like a brand new song. Also, the crowd absolutely loves. That song, that I have to be honest with you, man, I was so nervous. Um, I'm nervous with every time I have a song out on the radio that somebody records in mine, but when it's your kid, and th- and it's on the line, it's like the label is really, really, really counting on this single. It's like watching your kid pitch in the World Series or yeah. something. You know what I mean? It's like ninth inning against the Yankees, and Jeter's up to bat, and your kid's <laughs> pitching. You know what I mean? It's like, oh my, I, it's like... Yeah. I got to watch it, but I don't want to watch it. But that it. was a three-week number one. It was one. a three-week number one, yeah. but I was just so How did nervous. that make you feel, though, when it got to that number one spot? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, how, I mean, nobody gets to do anything, you know, like that with their kid. Yeah. You know, that's a rare, rare experience. Um, but, so, but but now you get to go, hey, man, I saved you. <laughs> I bring it up. I bring it up at certain times of the year. Thanksgiving, know, He'll call me and be like, hey, Dad, you want to split this you're like let's go ski and you want to split a house with me and i'm like you st- don't you still love me for them first two trucks and uh private school and you know stuff like that but uh now nah, we kid about stuff like that but um it is a very it, i'm extremely blessed to be able not only to do what i do but to be able to do it with your kid and to watch your yeah. son you know, a become a big kid. star well that's well, well let's get back to you now i mean because man you, you know after your artist thing how many years did that take for you? Because I remember that you you had um, um, "Kiss My Country Ass," mm-hmm. right? You had a couple of things like that. But yeah. what, how long was that transition from um, artist to writer? Leave, leaving the artist deal and moving into being a firm writer? Well, after the second, I had the second record deal that that didn't work out at all. Um, 
and i was you know obviously mad and upset and just kind of like screw this whole thing man you know i think everybody goes through that i'm moving back home phase one to 20 times in their career in nashville i've said i was moving home a bunch of times but this time i I really meant it this time i was just fed up um and it took me about two weeks to get over that and i and i went to my publishing company and i said man i don't want to i really i'm over the artist thing i've done it for 15 years i'd love to write songs and just see if i could have some hits with 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 other artists and they were kind of skeptical about it and you know i was too really i never attempted to do that uh so from it so that record deal ended about 06 and i started writing full-time for other people about 07 and i got my first hit in 08 with brooks and dunn it was called put a girl in it yeah it was off their last album. that was huge yes yeah off the last album they ever they ever did and then the next year in 09 i had a single called barefoot and crazy by jack ingram that was a top 10 and then starting about 2010 we had three number ones that year and then it just kind of started snowballing yeah. oh dude, dude but, but it blew up i mean i mean you were like a, a staple on the charts like two or three singles a year I, yeah. I mean i mean and 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 what was that what was your triple play awards i mean you said you had what three years multiples in 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 yeah we've yeah i mean i've averaged since 2010 i've averaged about three number ones a year that's crazy dude yeah plus you know some top fives and then there's singles that die at 50 you know um do you think do you think the artist thing made you relate to that better oh yeah it does man you know i understand artists you know i think to be in this business you have to be a psychiatrist a lot of times or a psychologist (laughs) you got to this this people are weird man like billy Kerrigan said people are crazy and we're <laughs> we're weird people that that create whether yeah. you're an actor or a writer or an, or an artist and um so everybody has their little quirks and and egos and and things like that and so i feel like being an artist myself um i, I know what these guys go through yeah. so i've been on tour buses or or supposed to write with an artist many a time and they call me five minutes before we were supposed to write and Man, I just got home from Canada, dude. You know, I hate to cancel, but man, I can't do it today. And instead of getting mad, I'm like, dude, I totally get it. I've been, I've been right where you are. When you feel yeah. like right, and holler at me. But one of the great things about you that that I'm a big fan of is is you as a person, as a songwriter, you are such your fan base. And 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 when you write, you are a country music lover. Yeah, and you are your fan base, and it, it's genuinely hard to find that uh, as an open book as you are. I mean, because yeah. I know you. I, a lot of people, you know, might not know you listening or whatever, but I know that you're a country music lover. I know. Oh, yeah. I know you're a small town America mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, and it's and man, when you have that mixed in with your talent, which is nuts. That that's when you have what you have. Well, thank you. I mean, I mean, what do you got, man? You got twenty twenty eight number ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's nuts, dude. Yeah. Well, I'm an observer. I'm, I've always been a people watcher. Like I told you before this interview started, um, I played a gig in Savannah, Georgia, this weekend, and instead of taking the interstate back home to Nashville, which was about a seven half hour drive, I took the back roads all the way back home, which turned into about a thirteen hour <laughs> drive, just because I love small towns. Yeah. I stopped at a roadside stand and bought boiled peanuts. I went to Wrightsville, Georgia, just so I could see Herschel Walker's um, high school football field where he where he played. Yeah. Um, I sat. Now, now, t- now, what was the first town you said you stopped in? Uh, States Statesboro, Georgia, which now, is Georgia now you used Southern to play University. there a lot as an artist. I did. Yes. Now I had somebody send me a picture of a of a teddy bear they bought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was that one with of the Red Akins t shirt <laughs> on it? Yeah. <laughs> that was some of my mer- great merch ideas. <laughs> 
Hey y'all, this is Red Akins, and you're listening to Knox Country Podcast. But now what I was saying is I took the back roads all the way home because that not only do I love it and that's where I came from, but I get so many song ideas and I just like to watch people. I like to see guys out on a tractor. Yeah. Um, I stopped at this little uh, this little place in Sandersville, Georgia, where they just make barbecue, little barbecue sandwiches and stuff like that. And I just like to watch. I just like to see what the what what rural America does yeah. and you know you produce jason aldean and, and that's one of the greatest things about jason he's from georgia too is that i think that we we love to, to put in three minutes the, the what everyday rural america lives and breathes yeah and um so you know I, I guess that's one of the reasons for my success is i i don't hold myself up in nashville i'm always traveling i'm always observing and i just like to write songs about the real people out there now i do um I, i'm from georgia too i'm mm-hmm. from macon georgia but i grew up on uh, I, I mentioned this to everybody in here new way new way hamburgers and hot dogs did you ever did you ever eat one of them in Macon, Georgia? Make, I have not. No. We'll, we'll see. This is a road trip. Okay, let's go to New Way. <laughs> we gotta go to New I Way. I did go to the place called the Dairy Lane in Sandersville. Yeah. I've been there one time before because Luke Bryan's wife Caroline is from Sandersville, and I went there with them one time, and they said we got to go to the Dairy Lane, and it's just this little old place, man. Um, and uh, so yeah. Like uh, the varsity in Atlanta, yeah. You know, there's certain places in Georgia that you just got to go to, and that just all it all. You know, you're not. I'm not going to write a song about eating a hamburger, probably, but I'm going to write. <laughs> I'm going to write. But going to those kind of places, yeah. somebody says something that you hear here in the next corner booth. Um, you just observe the lifestyle. The lifestyle, yeah, and that that's what I try to write. That's what I've written mostly in my career. Oh yeah, and you want to talk about how you connect with the, the fan base and the mm-hmm. audience and what's going on. I got to read something. So you have placed at least one song on Billboard's country airplay chart every week for the past seven years. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I didn't know that. Bob, now, is that a real chart? Yeah, is Bob that? Kingsley. Bob Kingsley, who's done the country you know, chart for, what, last 40-something years, sent me an email last year, and he said, hey, my guys were just doing some research on the countdown, and, and we found out that, that we have not done a show period in seven years than one of your songs was not that's on the crazy chart, yeah. and to have that come from bob yeah literally i used to sit in my driveway in my truck and listen to the countdowns on sunday just to hear bob's voice um you know i loved casey Kasem and I, and I loved all the other guys but there's something about bob's voice when he said the number one song of the week is this it was like official you know yeah, what i mean yeah. bob, that was the stamp of you've made it if bob kingsley says that so that was cool to get that from him so when did the peach pickers thing how did it come about where y'all just kind of i mean because three ways are one were unusual then right peach peach pickers is a little group that that i named it's it's me and ben hayslip and dallas davidson um ben hayslip and i met met in eighth grade on a baseball team and from the moment we met in the dugout in the car on the way of the game even in the outfield when we were playing the games we were singing songs we were writing songs um and so i've known ben since 83 or 4 and he was living here and i didn't i didn't meet dallas until 04 but i met him and luke and jamie johnson and randy hauser jared neiman it was this whole crew of of outlaw boys you know that i that i just loved and got to know dallas and so me and ben and dallas started writing we had a couple of rights on a wednesday and and we started writing some really good songs and people were were cutting them and next thing you know we just called our publishing company and said hey every wednesday just block it out 
from now till forever that's peach picker wednesday and me and dallas and ben you know been getting together for 10 years now on wednesdays so what was the first songs. what was the first one what was the first our first hit was put a girl in it and the way that happened was uh um ben and i were, were writing dallas was coming back from atlanta he wasn't there yet so ben and i were writing this song called country strong for blake shelton and the first verse and the second verse were about a farmer and a cowboy and ben hayslett said man you know dudes ain't the only people that are country strong girls are too i think we need to put a girl in this song oh. and as soon as he said that <laughs> i was like whoa whoa now <laughs> i said let's put this country strong song on hold and let's write that put a girl in it and dallas came in the room at that time and we told him what we had done and, and um Next thing you know, you know, a month or so later, Ronnie Dunn sends us an email from Brooks and Dunn and says, "Love this song, gonna cut it." So that was the song that really got us got us going. Yeah. But now y'all, now y'all are touring. I mean, y- y'all yeah. will pop up on like Luke Bryan's well, we tour. Do the, we do know? Luke Bryan's farm tour. We've done it since 2011. The, the the big goal is to go out there and write with Luke or whoever's opening, you know, for Luke during the tour. But we also have our own band, and we actually open for Luke. And it is so amazing. Um, not many songwriters get a chance to do this. You know, people get to go to concerts and and see, you know, the artist sing sing your song. But it's very rare that you get to go on stage and sing your songs for twenty thousand people that are there to see Luke Bryan, and and watch these people go nuts. It's like we literally don't have to sing a word yeah. to any of, our, any of our songs, and we get to play our Jason Aldean songs. The only songs we can't play are Luke songs. You know that makes <laughs> Dallas mad because he's got a lot. We get to sing our Jasons, our Thomas Rhetts, our Dustin Lynches, Brooks and Dunn, John Party, whatever songs we've had out on the radio. We get to sing them for twenty thousand people, and it's that's really good education. That really helps us go, hey. We know what people like, man, because yeah, yeah. we're out there seeing it. I'm we're sure not, it fuels you, yeah, too. Yeah, we're not sitting in Nashville in this little cubbyhole wondering what people like. We're literally seeing the results of, yeah. of what. And you know what? Good education also is it might have been a hit on the radio. might have been a number one. But you get out there and play it live, and you see that people don't react to it yeah. as well. So it's like there is a kind of a disconnect sometimes between what actually goes number one and what people actually love. There's songs that only go to 15 or 10 that people love love more than a song that went number one so that's a good education too to know that just because radio played it more than any other song doesn't mean that the whole world loved it loved it like like they did this one so it's a it's a really good way it's fun and you just get to see what really works knox country podcast edition (laughs) some of you know me as a record producer for acts like jason aldean and thomas red Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. Well, speaking of radio, um, I was out at the ACM Awards this year. Mm-hmm. Got got to watch you on the big big Tron in, in between commercials. Why they don't let y'all run up on stage yeah. and get your award? But songwriter of the year, yes. ACMs. Mm-hmm. Now is that is that a first or is that, that is a first? I, I've been nominated for one ACM before this. It was in 1998. I was not nominated for the Horizon Award, which is basically like newcomer. It was me, Kenny Chesney, and Michael Peterson. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I remember that. And, and Chesney and somebody named Ches. 
Kenny Chesney won. I don't think he's done anything since then. They obviously picked the wrong guy. But, but I remember that because a lot of people were like, um, uh, uh, how did Kenny win it? He, he's been around four years. Yeah, you exactly. Know? But, but he never was nominated. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. So that's the only time I was ever nominated for an ACM was literally 20 years later. And, dude, I was shocked. I mean, we have so many great writers. It was me, Ashley Gorley, Josh Thompson. I mean, Josh Osborne, Shane McAnally, Lori McKenna, yeah. Hillary Lindsay. It was like, there. I mean, I just really, I was, I mean, I were didn't you shocked? Even, So you were shocked? I was totally shocked. Um, when they called Stormy Warren, you know, announced it, called my name, I mean, I apologized to all the other writers. I was like, I'm sorry, y'all. You know, you know, during my acceptance speech, I was like, I, I truly wish that we could we all want it because yeah. every one of those guys is absolutely phenomenal so, so what's, songwriter. So what singles this year did you have with that that fell into that? That well, I had "Dirt on My Boots" by John Party. I had "Small Town Boy" by Dustin Lynch, which was the most. The most played song or biggest audience. More people heard that than any other song. Thomas Rhett, star of the show. Plus, I had, you know, some singles. I got Blake's new song. I lived it out right now. And uh, Justin Moore and Thomas Rhett's. So it's kind of a combination of what I had last year and yeah. what was just beginning but dude, dirt on to my, happen. Dirt on My Boots. Yeah, that was a that was a big one. That was a... Uh, I heard the demo. Yeah. Um, um, somebody... Uh, uh, Did we pitch that to Jason? Yeah. Well, I, I it just came my way. I so, you, yeah. so I don't know if I got it before or after. It's I got been, you, It's yeah. been a while ago. That was a rare one because... Um, <clears throat> That song really should have never been written. Um, Ashley Gorley and Jesse Frazier and I wrote this song, but we weren't booked to write with each other that day. We all had set. We all had different rights with someone else. And Ashley called me the night before and said, "Hey man, you want to try to write a song before we write a song?" And I was like, "Absolutely not, dude." I said, "Well, you gonna do get there at eight o'clock and write a song? Eight o'clock for songwriters is like four a.m. for normal people. It's like eight. <laughs> you know, I hadn't even." open my eyes at eight o'clock and he said come on man let's try it so we go to jesse frazier's at 8 a.m and we have another right scheduled at 10 30 we wrote that song from 8 a.m to 10 30 i sang it it was all done in two and a half hours and i walked out of that room and never thought about the song again i was like i don't know if it's good it's too early i don't know <laughs> we'll see what happens and then um a few months later we hear that john party wants to record it and as happy as I was that John had it, I was also not happy because his biggest single he'd ever had was out at the time called uh, Head Over Boots. And I'm like, there is no way in this entire world that they will put two boot songs out on the same artist. And um, sure enough, they put out two boot songs back to back, and they were like the biggest songs of these had. Yeah, you but know. "Dirt on My Boots" was huge. Yeah, so that was just one of those, you know. And um, that's just another. There's no way I could have written that, the lyrics to that song if I hadn't lived lived that song, like we were talking about growing yeah. up in rural America and, and and watching farmers. And you know, I, I go hunting all the time out of my place, a little bit out of town in Dixon, Tennessee. And you go to Logan's Roadhouse on a Friday night in Dixon, Tennessee, and dude, I'm talking about it's packed. And them boys got on their $200 jeans and their shirt tucked in and their phone on their belt and their camo hat on, but them boots are the same boots that they wore to work that yeah. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, I, I know, I've lived that. I've seen it. I've lived it. So that that's just one of them songs that uh, was real. But it was real different and funky at the same time. So, you know, that was that was just a cool one. Now, we've had a, a lot of people who talk about their biggest hits. They say how, ah, uh, 
they, they they can't there's really not a big story about how it happened because they'll sit there and do something like man that just happened mm-hmm. that just happened so you're saying the same thing about dirt on my boots that that, that you just kind of showed we up we couldn't think of anything and, to write yeah, and, yeah, yeah i didn't want to be there in the first place <laughs> and um i was kind of like leaning down with my head you know i was pretending like i was trying to come up with a song idea but i think i was trying to hide a yawn or something <laughs> Then I was looking down at my boots, and I'd been out at my farm, and they were all muddy. And they're the same boots I've been wearing for 10 years. And I said, dude, what about dirt on my boots? You know, <laughs> I got the boots on. Let's write that, you know. so That's good. I'm looking at all the massive cuts here, like Honeybee. Mm-hmm. I mean, huge for for uh, Blake Shelton. Highest selling digital debut by a country male solo artist. Wow. Yeah, that's another song that wasn't supposed to happen. We never had that song idea. We, we were stumped. We'd been there a couple hours, couldn't think of anything to write. So I'm flipping through a magazine just to pass the time, and I read this article about the governor of Arkansas, Mike Huckabee, who, who plays bass guitar. He came to Nashville to play on somebody's record. And I misread his name and, and pronounced it Mike Huckleberry. <laughs> and um, I said, you remember that, that movie Tombstone where Doc Holliday said, I'm your Huckleberry? So we tried to write that. And I'm your huckleberry turned into I'm your honeysuckle, which turned into you're my honeysuckle, I'm your honeybee. So that was another song that really was not supposed to so be written. So you have written. to thank Mike Huckabee for that. I thank Mike Huckabee for that song. Thank you, Gov. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I can drive through Arkansas 120 and not get pulled over. So now, um, hunting, fishing, loving every day, mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite uh, we had Dallas in here too. Uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, um, that one's a- Luke Bryan's song he's ever cut. That one's just man. When you you wouldn't believe the the text and phone calls that I got from other songwriters in town and writers that you wouldn't think they weren't country real country writers. They're more pop and yeah. and pop leaning and, and hip hop and or not country people at all. They'd never hunted, fished, and I'd get a text going, dude. That Luke Bryan song is the jam. Yeah. Um, it's got that flange guitar at the beginning that sounds like an old Waylon or Hank Jr. or Alabama song. And it just has that good stomp to it. Um, and that's another one. That was written on the farm tour with Luke. Uh, me and Dallas and Ben were on our bus. Luke was on his bus. And Luke calls and says, hey, y'all need to get your butts over to my bus right now. I'm, I'm on something. So we go over to Luke's bus. And he's sitting there with a the guitar, and he's just stomping the floor with his bare foot. Luke's got on nothing but basketball shorts, <laughs> stomping his foot. And he goes, hunting, fishing, and loving every day. da 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 day hunting, fishing, <laughs> and loving every day, and he had the biggest smile on his face. He goes, "Boys, that's a smash." <laughs> we we're like, "Yeah, those two lines are really good." You know? and, um, so that was a song that we said, "This will never be a hit." Um, it's the wrong time. You know, we live in a different world now where you can't even catch a fish without getting in trouble. You know, don't want to hurt the little fish. You know, I'm gonna throw him right back. Um, you can't talk about guns. You know, it was it's just a very in this politically correct world, that was a song that should have come out in the seventies or eighties, not yeah. two thousand, you know, fifteen. Yeah, but the first time I heard it was at the at the awards when he debuted yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Stevens and them were sitting behind me and I just turned around going, Man, how did how did I not hear this song? <laughs> and and Jeff goes, you know, Luke wrote it. Yeah. You know, and Yeah. Well we didn't think it Luke would put it out. And uh he called us one day and he said, Boys, he goes gonna go out on a limb he goes we're gonna put this one out it might go to 15 
it might not do anything but i love it it's our lives let's put it out and you know thank god he did and and it worked and i'm proud of that one also it's such a feel-good song though yeah i mean you can't help but love it you know i know yeah there's and you gotta be you know that song's detailed i mean there there are details about hunting and fishing that if you don't hunt or fish you're like what's a 9.92 stroke you know what i mean um so hopefully you know if but it's it was like you know, i didn't know if, if it was me <laughs> and i didn't know what it was i'd go google it i go what's i do that all the time mm-hmm. i hear lines and songs from i'm like what in the world did they mean on on that song i'm i'm interested in stuff like that so you know hopefully some people maybe it turns some people on to taking their kids out fishing mm-hmm. hey guys it's shalacy Check us out on the web at KnoxCountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnoxCountry360. Well, now, me and you were talking a little bit um, before um, we started, and, um, and and we were talking about the first time I met Thomas, mm-hmm. Thomas Rhett. You know, I I think I cut his first, I think I gave him, I think I gave him his first cut, too, yeah. with I Ain't Ready to Quit. That's right. Him yeah. and Jaron Boyer. Uh-huh. But, um, but I remember setting all that up for you. You called me to see if he could come over and hear the cut. And 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 do you, do you remember how all that went? I, down? I just remember we were at the beach, and and uh, we knew that Jason had the song, and but weren't sure if he was going to record it. And you called me and said, "Hey, man," you said, uh, "I got some exciting exciting news." And I thought it was I thought I got a cut on Jason Aldean, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, I got a Jason cut," you know. And you go, "We just cut your boy's song, <laughs> ain't ready to quit." And dude, and and Thomas Rhett was standing over in the kitchen. I, I can picture it right now i said you i said oh my gosh he goes what i said is jason with you and you said yeah you put jason on the phone and i said somebody wants to talk to you thomas Rhett, real quick and you can imagine being 19 and you're and jason aldean is on the other end of the phone saying i just recorded a song that you wrote yeah that is unbelievable yeah and, and i remember they um you called me and just said hey man uh, or, or we were trying to hook it up him coming over to hear mm-hmm. it and then him and jaron boyer showed up and it was both their first cuts right and man i remember them sitting in my office and me playing it man and it was like you know i i was just playing it you know because i'd heard it a thousand times already yeah but it was like them here in the suit you know watching the super bowl it was you know when you know and they were grinning ear to ear bouncing around so it, it was real exciting for me to because that album we had probably seven or eight new new, new writers, writers get their first cuts mm-hmm. on that on, i remember it, jason telling me that he said man he goes i got a lot of songs on this album from writers that yeah. i've never heard of and he goes but dude i'm i'm into the new fresh stuff i don't yeah. i don't want to do the same thing every single time so that's cool on jason's part to even be open for that and just so you know man now every time we start looking for songs it always starts with you dallas <laughs> David Lee, Neil, Th- Neil Thrasher. Yeah. I mean, it all it all starts with this small group well, of Jason people. Jason does have his core, you yeah. know, of, of of people, and you know, I'm I'm proud to have even gotten one song. I mean, Jason has recorded four songs of mine, and three of them have been number ones. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a that's unheard of. Yeah, you know, usually it takes you don't get any, or it might take ten cuts to to finally get one. So I'm like batting almost ninety something percent there, yeah. I guess. Uh, but, um, did you get anything on this new record? I did not, man. What's what up the, with y'all? That's Jason. God, I'm, I'm, <laughs> let me text him right him now. now. I'm going to say, hey, remember where you started? Remember where it all started, buddy? <laughs> hey, when when Jason first got his record deal, man, all he talked about was wanting songs like, like yours back mm-hmm. in your artist day, because That Ain't My Truck yeah. was a huge impact on, mm-hmm. on artists like him. Yeah. So now you're writing songs for these guys. You know, so w- one thing we've talked about is you were a boy in a man's world. Mm-hmm. Now you're a man in a boy's world yeah do you uh, you 
know, I know that sounds corny, but do you do you find your approach to writing with these kids any different other than motivating you to do something different? Um, well, the good thing is for me is I grew up on so many different types of music. I loved rap and rock and blues and pop just as much as as I did country. So I think that my my lifetime love of all genres of music has helped me, especially with the younger generation you know also you know thomas rett's 28 my daughter's 24 we always listen to new stuff in the car you know so i I do keep up with what's going on and i and i do think that that helps because a lot of the younger generation sad to say unless their parents listen to waylon and hank jr and willie they didn't grow up on a lot of a lot of older songs and and country music so it is kind of hard sometimes to write with a new kid that that didn't grow up that way and all they know is the more popular side of country and to try to steer them back the other way is a little foreign to their ears yeah sometimes so you just kind of i just try to write the best song i say look dude i'm here to help you build this house if you want the porch to not be sitting on the house is very weird (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't suggest building your house this way, but if that's what you want, I'm going to try to build the best porch I can, even though it's detached from the house. <laughs> but I would suggest let's move it back. Let's let's connect it to the wall if we can. So I just try, you know, I don't try to change their vision of what they want to do. I just try to, you know, I built a lot of houses in my yeah. in my day, mm-hmm. you know, and I'll be like, I just think that this house would look cool. You're going to want to live in this house a lot better if it was just a little bit this way. It's a little strange, but but let's try it. Yeah. And so that's kind of a metaphor of how I, of how I approach um, the younger the younger writers. Star of the show. Mm-hmm. The first number one that you and Thomas Rhett wrote together. Yes. Was mm-hmm. that an extra special oh, of sort course. of number one for you? It was. You know, I'd had a couple that I wrote for him. And then he and I have had a few songs together that went like top five that he wrote for other artists. But when you get that one that's together, then, you know, I'm such a history nut. I'm started digging through. I'm like, has this ever been done? You know, I know Frank Sinatra had a number one with Nancy and, um, you know, Mel Tillis or Pam Tillis or Hank Jr. And Hank Sr. might have had something. But what we've I tried to dig through and I don't think any father and son have ever written a number one that the sun sang. Not great. That yeah, is, dude, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, that was that was that made me. I'm like, man. So yeah. where's that song? Where's that one in the mantle? Well, that one almost didn't even make it because we wrote it in 2011, and at that time we thought it was too pop for country music. It was pushing the limits, and there's no demo on it, no work tape. The only way that we could find the song was that uh, that there was a video of it on YouTube that he had played at a radio station on his first radio tour. And so they planned to play the YouTube video in the studio wow. to cut the thing. So it, it almost never even made it because we thought it was too far out there. And now when you listen to it, it doesn't sound I mean, it sounds like normal country music today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? But um, that, that's a that's a good one. And to also write it with Ben Hayslip, mm-hmm. who 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 I grew up with and who Thomas Rhett's known since he was born. That was a cool one. That's a great history. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, I'm I'm me. Me just being in the business 25, 26 years, too. You know, man, I'm real proud of the guys I get to hang out with and call. Yeah. Uh, I'm proud I get to call you and say, man, hey, man, I need songs. Mm-hmm. And you send me great songs. Dude, I never, dude, the night at the ACMs this year, I'm, uh, you know, I see you 20 rows away and you're going, hey, you're motioning to me. And I'm going, I thought you were just waving at me. And I'm like, 
No, he's trying to tell me something. You were like, I need up tempo songs for Jason. You know, <laughs> you know so, <laughs> that was funny. You know, to me, you know, it's cool that we're out of this big award show and we're still talking songs, man. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, yeah. Well, dude, I, I, I appreciate you being here. I love you being here, man. Yeah, thank you. Knox Country. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Knox Country Podcast. Special thanks go out to co-host Mr. Lacey Griffin and producer Donnie Walker. See you next time. You've entered Knox Country Outtakes. Are we ready? Yeah, dude, you're rolling. When you see pink, you're rolling. <clears throat> I think Mickey's been sitting in traffic too long this morning. <laughs> I was thinking He's going to kill you. So, you know, we always joke when we're in the studio, hey, man, give me a little Hank Jr. Right. Give me a little Hank. And then Hank Jr.'s in the studio. <laughs> and I found myself going, man, I need it to sound more like Hank, like him. <laughs> he, he goes, I'll, I said, Hank, man, can we sing top to bottom about three times? He goes, I'll give you two because I like you. It <laughs> <laughs> was the funniest thing ever, dude. Hey, y'all, this is Red Akins. And, you know, um, I was very excited to come do this show until I remembered that Knox nor Jason Aldean recorded any of my songs on this last Jason Aldean album. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Knox Country Podcast Edition. <laughs>